The General Insurance presents Shower Ballads by Shaq. And I'm gonna keep on loving you Cause it's the only thing I wanna do Turns out, everyone does sound better in the shower. And it turns out, The General is a quality insurance company that's been saving people money for nearly 60 years. For a great low rate and nearly 60 years of quality coverage, make the right call and go with the General. The General Auto Insurance Services, Inc. Insurance Agency, Nashville, Tennessee. Some restrictions apply. Are you ready to learn the business skills you need to accelerate your career? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business is now offering its highly ranked working professional MBA entirely online. Whether you choose to attend on campus, online, or a mix of both, you're in control, balancing the demands on your busy schedule. Don't wait. Start your personalized MBA journey this fall. Visit go.osu.edu slash WPMBA to learn more and apply. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where principled leaders are created. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All-Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide Talk Star Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. My guest this hour is a young man by the name of Tumu Jin Hu, and we're going to be talking to him about his new book that is just out. It's called The Rage. Now, Tumu Jin is a hardworking American who graduated from the University of Southern California with a BA in East Asian Languages and Cultures. He's lived in many different places and worked a variety of jobs. More recently, he spent most of his time in Kuwait. Um... California, and now Colorado doing either professional armed security or running a small online used book business. He's been writing screenplays for a hobby for about 15 years. The Rage is his first novel and is strongly influenced by his efforts to cultivate an attitude of grace in his life. And Tumu Jinhu, welcome to the Axon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great having you here. Uh, tell us a little bit about The Rage. The Rage, it's about two men, mm-hmm. Roland and Nicholas, whose traumatic life circumstances drive them to drugs, crime, and murder. The story begins with Roland, who grew up poor and abused, as he gives up on society and immerses himself in being a criminal, which mostly involves stealing, but often involves killing. For Nicholas, he was raised wealthy and comfortable, but mm-hmm. his tragedy leads him to first just training for self-defense, but this becomes an obsession with 
combat arts and, and revenge, hunting down the man who took his life from him. Both these guys uh, start off very differently, but after a few years they start looking the same, and they become very capable criminals, um, and they uh, they almost cross paths over the years, but finally when a uh, mysterious criminal racket tries to recruit Roland and kill off Nicholas, it actually drives the two men closer together in what looks like it's going to end in a lot of violence. But this happens at a time when both these men are beginning to question their choices. So that's, that's you know what the rage is about. You served in the U.S. military working in private security in Kuwait, Iraq, and Afghanistan. And uh, this is a quote from you. A lot of people get their faith shaken when they go overseas to fight. I heard combat veterans talking about doing their job and wondering, am I still a good person even though I did what I did? How difficult is that for you and other members who who go overseas to, to fight uh, to rationalize the different emotions and the different scenarios that you see on a daily basis. How do you do it? Well, first of all, I need to, to uh, fit, uh, correct something. I was I got out of the military in the, in the 90s, and all my security experience is actually private security. Uh, and actually, I've never seen combat. Even in all my security experience, uh, the closest I've been to an IED was about a kilometer away. That's close um, enough. The, but I've uh, interacted with a lot of these combat vets, Mm-hmm. Uh, I had sim- I've had similar training, and I've you know I've been on the road uh, on the roads in Iraq and driven around and had to have the same concerns that they did, um, but with less actual combat experience. But uh, in studying security um, and then in talking to these people, um, the uh, you, you have to be prepared for the you know for the worst case scenario. This is this is what I'm talking about right. when I when I mention that. You go, you go overseas as a soldier, and you're told to kill. Yeah. And that's that's just war. War in itself, I believe, is an atrocity. Um, it, it's a net, it's you can't get around it. It's, it's just part of you know part of the world. But yeah. you send a soldier off, and, and he's supposed to kill, and he gets very good at that. Um, and he goes and he kills, and then uh, one day he shoots something that he's supposed to shoot at. And he finds out later on that it's a car full of a family of four, probably on their way to school or work. And, you know, your soldier once told me, mm-hmm. I, when I first went over to Iraq and um, I was, you know, killing people and I was doing my job and it was all fine. I was doing what I was told to do. But the longer you're there, the more you're interacting with the locals, you learn the language, you drink with them, drink tea with them. Tumujin, I hate to do this, but them. we've got to take our two-minute commercial break. Please stand by, okay. Exo Nation. Tumujin, who is our special guest? He is the author of The Rage. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. And Tumujin, who, and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break in two minutes. Don't go away. Nita Hickok is an expert in exorcisms, psychic warfare, soul healing, angelology, soul retrieval, demonology, energy healing, long-distance healing, astral healing, and much more. Nita is an interfaith minister because she believes all gods and goddesses are valid and that they are part of one divine force that is incomprehensible to us who are incarnated upon this earth. Nita has been doing astral healing, distant healing, spirit release, exorcism, house cleansing and blessings, soul restoring and revival, psychic vampire removal and curse removal, and much more for over 40 years. For more information or to contact Nita Hickok, visit her website at www.astralhealer.com. That's www.astralhealer.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. 
Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. To Mujin, who is our special guest. He is the author of The Rage. It's a new inspirational crime novel. It explores the issues of wickedness and redemption. His website is www.temujinhu.com. Now that's www.temujinhu.com. And uh, The Rage is available uh, in, in print, it's available on Kindle, and it's published by Badlander Publishing. And it just came out, so congratulations on your first book. I understand that you're also a screenwriter. Uh, yes, I wrote screenplays on this as a hobby for about 15 years, mostly focusing on one, but I started uh, a, a few others. Um, but uh, I always had plot problems. And that's why I ended up eventually turning to a novel format. Uh, screenplay's got to be very tight. It's got to right. be 120 pages. Um, but a novel, you can basically let yourself go. So yeah. <laughs> that's why I tried out a novel was to attempt to work out my plot issues. Now, Tumujin, before we started uh, this uh, segment, you and I were talking about um, what it's like for the soldiers in Iraq. They go over there, they, they're, you know, they do their job. But the longer they're there, the longer they get to know the people. So yes. where does it go from here? And, and how do they, first of all, are they supposed to draw the line between soldier and civilian? And how easily is it crossed? It's, it's way too easy to cross. I mean, whether you're a soldier, and even the, as doing private security, it gets even more mm-hmm. fuzzy because the law is not on your side if you make a, make a mistake. Um, but you have to be able to uh, you know, when in war, you 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 can shoot first because you're yeah. you're automatically in a combat scenario. In security, you can't shoot first. You have to make sure that you're not shooting at the wrong people. Either way, you end up shooting at people, and you need to be able to distinguish uh, a threat from a not threat, which is very difficult in a situation like Iraq, where you've got an insurgency going on, where you have friendly people that look like they're friendly but are actually not. And so it's very easy for you to do something and later on realize it might have been might not have been the best thing or you, you do something right and it still looks bad. It still feels bad. Um, and uh, you still have that, no matter how much, you know, everyone says, hey, you did the right thing, you still walk away and you go, well, that person doesn't look like a bad guy to, in, in my head. It's, it looks like the person I, I eat breakfast with, I drink tea mm-hmm. with. You know, it looks like my friend. The more it looks like a real person, no matter how just the shooting was, it still can, and you can still take that away from you as, so it's something tough to deal with emotionally. And I think a lot of soldiers return. That's what the, you know, the PTSD and all mm-hmm. the, all this uh, mental struggles they have when they come back. Um, no matter how good a soldier you were, no matter how, uh, even if you weren't around the killing, if you were, if you didn't do the killing yourself, you're just around it. It can still mess you up, mess up in your, mess up your thinking, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you start to doubt whether you did what's good. You start feeling bad. You start have all the guilt, um, and uh, that's that's part of the inspiration for the story was just dealing with, you know, am I a good person? Am I still a good person? I you don't think you have to be a soldier to relate to that. Anyone that deals with any kind of stress or trauma. Um, deals with, you know, survivor guilt. You know, you, you get into an accident and uh, everyone dies but you. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same kind of uh, feeling. You start feeling guilty even though there's not really any reason for you to feel guilty. And all those kind of things can play into um, 
the mental stress that people deal with and the mental stresses mess up our judgment and character and that's when we start making mm-hmm. bad decisions. So how did you or how do you deal with this multiplicity of emotions and what are you trying to get across to your readers in your book? <laughs> um, I don't think there is any good one solid answer for how to deal with it. The way I deal with my depression in the past has always been to tell myself to suck it up, which is exactly what people going through depressions don't want to hear. Uh, but it works for me. Um, but I think uh, the first step is is hope, instilling mm-hmm. hope. And I think that's what I try to do with the book. Uh, and it takes a lot. You get through the whole book to get to that part. But ultimately, um, you have to have a hope that this isn't the end, that there is a better end. And then from there, you can start making positive choices towards that, towards that end. I think uh, one of those, in order for there to be a possibility of hope, you have to be okay with where you're at emotionally. So, and that's one of the things about being a soldier and being in that any paramilitary environment, even a cop, security, the atmosphere is very macho. So if you have PTSD, you get made, made fun of. If you um, have nightmares, you get made fun of. And so the stigma, there's a stigma attached to it that you go out in society and you pretend like you're okay when you're not. Um, and it prevents you from dealing with it in a healthy way. And I think that's that's definitely true in the military environment, but I think a lot of people that are depressed and going through mental stress feel the same thing. They feel like they can't acknowledge their their troubles. They're, um, you know, like, I'm, and that's one reason why I think I've been very successful with uh, my depression in the past because I've never, I've never not been able to talk about my issues. <laughs> I'm very open about my about my darkness. You know, I've I've been depressed. I've had suicidal suicidal thoughts. You know, I'm very open about some of my mistakes I've made. You know, mm-hmm. I've been fired, uh, and that was a horrible experience for me. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've three times in my life I've made really solid vows to God, and I've broken all three vows. So I feel like a person with no integrity. You know, um, one time I dated this girl, and she was so excited to be dating, you know, someone who was supposedly a man of God. And, and then I treated her worse than any boyfriend she'd ever, ever dated. You know, um, and I, I look and I've learned from that. I, I made a lot of mistakes. So I guess my point is, I'm I'm open about my mistakes. Mm-hmm. I think that's one reason why I can get over uh, my issues, and why I've never need counseling. Um, it's because uh, I think I automatically do stuff that gives me that hope. But um, like I said, uh, it's particularly true in my experience in military or uh, security, any paramilitary environment, law enforcement where there's a stigma against uh, the emotional strain and acknowledging it and dealing with it. Um, but it, I think that stigma also exists in society to, in a different level, in a slightly different way, because I know a lot of people feel like they can't admit that they're depressed. It's, they're it's, just, it's just as if people feel that if they admit they're depressed, society will look down on them. Why? Why do yeah. we have to? Why do we have to subject people within society to that kind of pressure? Why can't we just say, "Hey, you know what? Depression is a fact of life. You're human. How can we help yeah. you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a common uh, theme, and if you look up uh, blogs online on depression and then read books, it's mm-hmm. a common issue. Tell tell me, how did your situation affect your relationship with God? Did it did it make it make it tighter? Did it make you question His existence more? I think like, some of the soldiers I talked to went overseas and they, uh, with a lot of faith, and they came back with um, a lot of uh, uh, lack of faith, or with a lot of doubts. For me, um, it's and partly it's because. Part of the way I came to faith, I came to faith through apologetics, through studying, you know, science and philosophy and reason, and trying to make good academic, you know, discuss. It. Is this a good choice for me? And so for me, my faith is based on truth. That's one of the reasons why, when I'm depressed, I can always tell myself to suck it up, because to me, the Bible is true. I can always say, you know what? If this is true, I need to live as as if it's true, and so. I can look at my situation and say, I'm wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, the, the circumstances don't 
I mean, I still have everyone is going to every now and then go, you know what? I wonder if this is true. Am I wasting my time? But I always go back to all the reasons why I committed my life to Christ. And I can say, I know this is true. And therefore, I can I can change my thinking, my behavior. And that's how I get through it, through it. And I don't, I haven't had my face shaken no matter, no matter what uh, kind of circumstances I've, I've been in. But a lot of other people have. And I think it's because they, there are a lot of people think that faith is about ignorance. You know, it's about blind faith. It's about believing something no matter what science tells you. And if you, when you're, if that's the kind of faith you have, when you're faced with the reality of a harsh circumstance, you're going to start questioning that faith because the, the reason isn't there. Uh, the, you know, the truth isn't there. So that's, that's how I've dealt with it. And I've, no, I've, my faith is stronger today than it's ever been. And it's, um, you know, no matter no matter what I've gone through, I've always been able to uh, rest on my faith, rest on the truth. Are you passionate about your professional future but not sure what's next? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business can take your education and career to the next level with its highly ranked working professional MBA. With flexibility to earn a degree entirely on campus, online, or a mix of both, an MBA from Ohio State is more accessible than ever. To get started, visit go.osu.edu slash WPMBA. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where principled leaders are created. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. That, that I believe in. You, you say that, and this is a quote, um, uh, somebody asked you how you define rage, and you said, the mess of emotions and thoughts and confusion that life sometimes throws at us and which we sometimes find ourselves unable to break free from. Sometimes it can be caused by a single event, but often it's a series of events that may not seem so bad when they're seen individually, such as the seemingly common address of being overworked or of own lo- or loneliness. Mm-hmm. I've you- experienced both of those things, <laughs> and both of those things can lead you to uh, bad decisions if you're mm-hmm. not careful. Um, I've been lonely in the Navy and uh, got uh, down on myself and proceeded to find strip bars and intentionally try to make myself uh, broke. Um, I've uh, been fatigued and overworked and uh, started, you know, um, putting myself around people that were using illicit drugs. Uh, And I never actually used them, but uh, if I hadn't, if I had stayed around them much longer, I would have. And, uh, you know, once you start down that kind of road, it's very hard to get off that track, and it's very easy to go back on that track. So I've been very lucky. I've just been barely able to avoid some really bad decisions, but I've seen how easy it is to, you know, the innocence of working really hard sure. and how that can uh, wear you down emotionally. Tumujin, please stand by, young man. You and I have to take mm-hmm. our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation, mm-hmm. we're talking to the author of The Rage. His name is Tumujin Ho, and uh, his website is www.tumujinhu.com. And that's T-E-M-U-J-I-N-H-U.com. The name of his book is The Rage. And Tumujin Hu and I will be back on the other side of this break with our news. Don't go away. What if someone told you you could live to be 120? Would you believe him? What if he told you the Bible guaranteed it? All you needed to do was follow his rules and buy his products. Would you do it? What if you invested 20 years of your life in him? What if he tested his substances on your child? What if your child became brain damaged as a result? 
Meet Dr. Tyler Belknap, a fast-talking Texas admin turned health guru. At the helm of a vast health food and supplement empire, he has established himself as the authority on nutrition and longevity. But what his followers don't know is that his products are laced with bizarre psychoactive substances from genetically modified plants developed in his very own secret lab. No wonder his customers can't stop using them. Tyler Belknap will stop at nothing to keep his edge in the market, even if it means experimenting on children. Chasing 120, a story of food, faith, fraud, and the pursuit of longevity, a novel from the pen of political cartoonist Monty Wolverton, is an easy and entertaining read full of rich characters and intrigue. It hits home in a world filled with all kind of hucksterism and offers a glimpse of what can happen when GMO technology falls into the wrong hands. Chasing 120 by Monty Wolverton. Get your copy today at www.ptm.org forward slash 120 or on Amazon.com. Manifestation is driven by imagination, intent, and passion. In our culture, all three have been distorted and disabled by modern media and exploitation. Re-engage your imagination and your passion by entering into the world of paranormal romance. Kahir O'Donnell takes her readers on an exciting journey into the endless possibilities of loving, passionate, and mutually respectful male-female relationship. Her latest book, The Long Dark Night, features special ops adventure, a daring rescue, a psychic woman from the stars, and a special agent that will die to protect her. The Long Dark Night by Kahira O'Donnell is now available at kahiraodonnell.com or amazon.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www. .exoneradiotv.com Welcome back, everyone. Uh, my guest this hour is Tumu Jinhu. He is the author of The Rage. His website is www.temujinhu.com. What was the hardest part about writing this book? <laughs> the hardest part was actually um, keeping my uh, peace of spirit, I mm. would say, um, The um, it's it's difficult to stay positive and hopeful when you're focusing on the inner thoughts of people doing wicked things. And I tend to empathize. So often I felt dark and demonic forces around me. And finally, I turned to, to like positive Christian uh, radio stations to kind of break me out of that that darkness. I had to take that story. I had to take the story to that level of evil, though, because I wanted to do the context justice, so that the reader would feel fully engaged. But that that was one of the one of my struggles is is there's so much all the focus on these negative like one one scene in particular uh, was a, a a steroid rage mm-hmm. a roid rage that one of the characters was going through and it's just all the things just trying to emotionally describe a person that's um, tiny little things are grating on them and as I was writing it and describing it. Um, you know, like I said, I empathize. I, I tend to go there, and so 
uh, you know, I, 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 I got very dark and, um, and I don't want to be dark. I don't want to be a dark person. I don't want to think dark thoughts. So, um, at the, by the end of the story, I was actually not, not listening to any, anything but, uh, but, uh, what I thought would be positive and uplifting, uplifting music mm-hmm. and, uh, attempting to put myself in situations that would be more like, you know, out in parks. Um, so I, I would, uh, not, not stay in that dark place. So would you would you say that writing the rage was also helping you to face your demons? Um, it's yes, it's, it's cathartic. It it helps. It, anytime you write something like this, mm-hmm. um, it helps put out your stuff that you've got inside. And um, and it, it, anytime, like if you got a, if you're struggling with something, I think if you write it or talk about it or express it, it helps to get it out there. And it, just expressing it helps. And so. Um, writing the book definitely helped me sort out my spiritual journey of the past 10 years where I've basically learned about grace. And actually the book, the theme of the book developed as I was writing it too. A lot of this, the specific stuff, it's not how I would write a book again. It was, I didn't do it intentionally, but a lot of this stuff kind of developed as I wrote it. Um, the, uh, so... It, it and it ended up like it wasn't the book I intended to write. It was a book I needed to write. Um, so, yeah, just dealing with all the uh, um, emotions and experiences and uh, relationships mm-hmm. uh, and acknowledging, you know, for myself, uh, I still deal with self doubt and uh, self hate. Uh, I still deal with those kind of thoughts and I still have to fight them off. So uh, it's the book has a message that I need to hear as well. That I need to remind myself as well that uh, I'm okay. That I don't have to be good enough. That no one is good enough, and that I can accept. If I can accept myself, I can accept everybody. And if I can accept everybody, I can accept myself. So um, I guess it goes yeah. back to the, I guess it goes back to that old saying: if you can't, if you don't love yourself, no one else will. Yeah, and I think that's true. It's hard for people to love you mm-hmm. if you don't love yourself because you tend to do things that are destructive to relationships yeah. around you. So. What has been the feedback that you've gotten from friends and family who've had the opportunity of reading The Rage? The, um, initially, uh, I think the initial reaction is surprised because it is so dark. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, One person was almost angry at me and I'm like, how can you think that a Christian would want to read this book? <laughs> um, well, wait a second. Uh, you know, uh, when, we, when we look at, did you say how a Christian or how a person could read this book? A Christian. It was, it was a context of, you know, because I, I I'm a Christian, and yeah. so it should be a Christian book. And well, I think it is a Christian well, book, of course but it, it doesn't look like a Christian book. Well, look so at the Bible. There's a lot of hate, killing, and a lot of negativity in the Bible, and it's the number one Christian book. <laughs> yeah. Um the uh, there is a lot of killing in the Bible. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of hate killing uh, directed from God. There is a lot of hate mm-hmm. in the Bible, but it's that's not the the context isn't yeah. that's not what's coming from God. But I think the, the idea that some Christians have is that as a Christian, everything's got to be family friendly and nice and wonderful and pretty. When actually the reality is, life tends to be really dark. Uh, and see- if you can't address that mm-hmm. darkness. And you can't deal with people. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of Christians have is they can't relate to people because they don't acknowledge the darkness that's in their own life. Ah, you see, you said it right there. People, yeah. you know, people live in a little glass bubble and anything that doesn't, con- you know, conform to their little glass bubble or their, mm-hmm. r- uh, their, their own idea of what life should be like, it rubs them the wrong way when life itself is, is hard. It is. It is. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I applaud you for getting people to read your book. And by doing that, they're seeing your demons, and then in turn, they start facing their own. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, I hope so. I understand you're trying to turn this into a screenplay. Uh, well, always. It's, uh, that's where I started my writing, and that's where um, I probably would want to go back um, to it. Um, but, it, again, it's tricky. I went to the novel format to get out of my plot issues, and I still haven't quite figured out how to turn this into something that would fit into a screenplay. Maybe a, a more like a, a TV show would might be more mm-hmm. 
uh, it might be easier to adapt. I don't know. Um, but still looking at different options. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't know. Uh, definitely something I'm looking at, uh, but, um, I haven't quite figured out how to make it into a movie. Well, I'm, I'm sure given time, you'll figure that out. Yeah, really yeah, it's a process. Tell me, um, in your bio, it says, The Rage is his first novel and is strongly influenced by his efforts to cultivate an attitude of grace in his life. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean by that you're trying to cultivate an attitude of grace in your life? Well, most people, when they become a Christian, if, if, you, don't, if you didn't grow up, in the Christian environment, mm-hmm. if you become a Christian later on, what tends to happen is you get very legalistic and you get very, um, you get very forceful with your faith. And that's what happened to me. I got very legalistic, and and it wasn't necessarily very negative, but it wasn't positive. I went to Kuwait in 2004, and I, when I came back, all my friends told me I was a lot easier to deal uh, deal with and to be around. And it, and I realized it was because. I wasn't trying to dump a lot of stuff for them to do on them all. And I was, and I was, I was one of those people that was actually doing it. I was actually being good. I wouldn't even speed. I wouldn't go a, a mile per hour over the speed limit. But all that stuff, no matter how good you try to be, you're still not good enough and you're still not perfect. And I think um, I had to learn to relax and lighten up on myself. And then I was able to lighten up on other people. And I think also I had to, I, uh, I have to learn things the hard way, <laughs> just just the way I am. A lot of us are like this. I had to make a lot of mistakes before I realized um, just how easy it is to make mistakes. And I, you know, I mentioned a few of those mistakes. You know, I've been fired, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think as as you go along, you realize um, I am looking at people judgmentally, and then they stop that. Because what I need to realize is uh, I'm judging myself is where it starts, and then I'm judging other people. If you're legalistic, you're telling yourself, I have to be this way. Yes. And therefore, you're going to look at other people and you go, they should be that way too. But if you can lighten up on yourself, cultivate the attitude of grace, and go, I'm okay. I don't have to be perfect. I can just do my best, and that's okay. Then you can look at other people that way. And I think... It's taken a while, but and I'm still in the process. Not no one's perfect, you know. I'm not, I'm not perfect at it, but I think I'm much better at you know, like when I, it's like when you're interacting with people. Mm-hmm. If you focus on the way they're behaving, you're not gonna get be able to reach that person. Like one of the soldiers I I, I spoke with that I've mentioned already, he had a coping coping mechanisms to deal with his stress that basically made him a little bit antisocial. And some people could relate to him, and some people hated him. And if you look at the things that he did and say, that guy's an immature jerk, whatever, you're not going to see that he's actually a person with a lot of hurts and pain. So you have to look past a person's actions and, and be able to accept them as they are and to, to get past those actions and to understand where they're coming from. And then often when you do that, you realize they're not actually a bad person. And that's actually what I get into with the rage. Something that actually comes up throughout the story with some of the character interactions is what if this person that seems to be such an awful person is actually just doing the best they can and doesn't know any better or or doesn't know how to behave differently? What if that person grew up differently? What if that person grew up with a father that loved them and was there for them and taught them how to make good decisions? You know, he didn't have that. So, so uh, he had instead... It was raised to be a criminal, essentially. And so can you get mad at that person for the things they do, even though they hurt you? Or can you look past that and understand them? And if you can get past it and get to know them and talk to them, that's when you can reach them and you can get that change in behavior. Do you think, so, do you, do you think society has a lot to learn yet when dealing with people who are, who are, are troubled, who are depressed, who who just come back from a tour in Afghanistan, Iraq, or any other part of the military? Are we doing enough for our military? I don't think we are doing enough. I think, and it it's not necessarily the military's fault, but I think they could do more to train people to prepare them for what they're mm-hmm. doing. So many uh, veterans come back, and I talked to a, a therapist who had a, a client who um, would yell. Uh, at her and stuff, and she had to yell back and say, "Hey, 
you need to let the people around you know what you're going through. Like I said, there's a stigma. There's there's this thing that prevents people from from uh, talking about it. But these soldiers come back and they've got all this this emotional trouble, and it becomes a cost, a burden on society because they're going to destroy all the relationships when they come home. And then when you destroy a family, when you destroy uh, friendship, you're destroying society, you're destroying the base. You know, the family is a, mm-hmm. a, a strong, sound base for society. And if you destroy families, families get broken, That's that harms society. And so I think the cost of the war on American society isn't just material, it's also social. Um, it's not good for these people to come back and have all their relationships destroyed because they don't know how to deal with these problems. Um, with these emotions, with these um, struggles, how can and, uh, how can that be changed? Then, how what what can society, what can you and I do to to help change this? Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think I'll give an example. Okay. I was with a group of guys, and they were all they were a Christian um, Bible study actually, and it was actually mm-hmm. overseas, and the culture was such that you don't talk about your problems. And one of the guys seemed kind of down and quiet. And I, and I said, you know, and I talked to the other guys and they, and they said, well, he's depressed. And he's, or he's, they said he's sad. Um, but they were, what the thing was, he was depressed. And apparently he's depressed all the time. And I asked these guys, I said, what, what are you, you know that he's sad. You know that he's depressed. What are you doing to help him? And the answer was nothing because that's what you do in that society. And that's what we do in our society, too, as well. We need to do it in a little bit different ways. But I think the first thing you need to do is we need to talk to each other, and we need to be willing to ask people hard questions. Yeah. We need to be willing to put ourselves out there and say, hey, brother, I'm here for you. If you need anything, come talk to me. And you might have to do more than that, too. You might have to actually follow up on that person and find out what they're doing, because they may not want to tell you that they're spending copious amounts of time alone brooding you know um that's not healthy it's you know? it's so sad to hear that there are people who are just keeping everything inside and it just like you said mm-hmm. it keeps boiling because they don't have anyone or they don't think they have anyone mm-hmm. to listen to them and uh, if a person was just to sit down and say what's on your mind and they get it off their chest. That That's the pressure valve that mm-hmm. so many people yeah. need and yet nobody wants to listen. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think if we listen to other people's problems, we have to acknowledge that we have problems ourselves. Sure. And if we don't want to do that, you know, I've, um, you've, I think a lot of people maybe have known someone that committed suicide yeah. or known someone whose friend committed suicide and no one even knew they were depressed. And to me, that's just like, that's got to be the worst feeling. And I, and you'd think that that would motivate people to want to talk about stuff, but it doesn't. We still hold it in. So. Tim Mujin, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Great talking yeah. to you. Exonation. Tumujin, who is our special guest? He's the author of The Rage. His website, www.tem. U-J-I-N-H-U dot com. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues. We're right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We'll be back. And by the way, to all our American listeners, next Monday, I believe, is Columbus Day. Happy Columbus Day. And to all our Canadian listeners, happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back. Don't go away.
Hi, this is Rob McConnell just letting you know that the X Chronicles newspaper is now available online at www.xzonebookclub.com. All past editions and current editions of the X Chronicles newspaper are available for 99 cents. That's www.xzonebookclub.com and that's 99 cents US per edition. And don't forget, the X Zone store is now open as well for all of your X Zone Nation merchandise www.thexzonestore.com With each new extreme weather event or terrorist act, it becomes increasingly obvious that we live in uncertain and challenging times. We all buy car insurance, why not collapse and catastrophe insurance? Matthew Stein, an MIT-trained engineer and green builder, has written two outstanding books to help people prepare, plan for, and deal with everything from minor situations lasting a few days to full-on collapse. Matt's first book, When Technology Fails, is a manual for self-reliance, sustainable living, and surviving the long emergency. This massive book covers the gamut from first aid and emergency preparedness to alternative healing, renewable energy, primitive living skills, and 18th century technologies that could be critical to your comfort and survival in a long-lasting crisis. Matt's second book, When Disaster Strikes, is a comprehensive emergency preparedness handbook and survival guide. When Disaster Strikes is an essential item for every family's go-bag. Both books are available at all usual sources. There's a wealth of totally free information posted at whentechfails.com and author-signed copies may be purchased at mattstein.com. That's www.wentechfails.com and www.mattstein.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Tumu Jinhu. He is the author of The Rage. His website is www.temujinhu.com. How close are you actually to finding the grace in your life that you're looking for? I don't think I'll ever be where I want to be. Uh, the I think um, I'll get more and more free of the negative thoughts and the uh, the wrong thinking uh, as I go. And I expect, mm-hmm. I, I've seen in myself how I've, I've improved myself over the years. I've made myself a better person. But I think it's, always, it's, it's a process. And I think if you accept that it's a process, you can accept where you are and know that you're getting better. I think that's the most important thing. I agree with you 100%. And not too many people realize that, that it's a process, that change isn't overnight. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that in today's society, because of our vast speed of which we live in and the modern day of communications, which is instantaneous, people expect mm-hmm. life to be instantaneous. And it's anything but that. That's true, that's true. Do you have any new books coming out? Are you working on any screenplays that you can share with us? I'm working on, uh, working on a variety of things, and basically I'll work on things until one of them 
starts to look really strong, and then I'll focus on that. I'm working on a sequel to The Rage, which will take the characters into the arena of, of human trafficking in America, wow. and also touch on homosexuality, which is, I think, the most relevant and current topics that I think people will relate to, and that's going to be the context for the ongoing uh, crime drama. I'll tell you it's, something. I mean, human trafficking is a big problem, and I'm glad you're is, going to be bringing it up, yeah. It's bigger than, I think the bigness of it is, it's amazing that it's going on around us when we don't realize it. You know, we're purchasing products, we don't realize it's actually a slave yeah. uh, helped manufacture that product. But there's also involved in this organized crime element in Big that time. too, and that's where I'm going to kind of bring it in to the story, because the story involves, the raids involves uh, organized crime and gangs and rackets, and so I'm going to kind of uh, string Excellent. it along in that direction. Right. I'm also working on an allegorical fantasy that will deal with a prince, um, a vagrant helping out a prince, and then mm -hmm. all, there's also... Um, Working on a satire based on my experiences doing security in Afghanistan. My goodness, you're That's, a busy young man. I try to stay busy. What would you like to say to our listeners? We've got about 60 seconds. Um, uh, uh, I, I want, it's my desire to be an encouragement, inspiration to everyone. I want everyone to feel like they're blessed uh, every day you know, every way. Mm -hmm. um, I want people to believe in themselves and uh, to strive for, it's easy to strive for excellence when you're doing something you love. Uh, I, I did a lot of things I liked, but I didn't get published until I quit my job and decided to be a writer full-time. Um, so I think uh, people, I want people to believe in themselves and believe what they can do and to pursue their dreams. I and it's because of people happy. like you bringing this to the forefront and letting people know that they're human, that we all share these same problems, these same yes. challenges, these same dilemmas in our lives, that they will come to understand that they're not alone. And I want to thank you so much for joining us this hour. Uh, to Mujin, it's been a great pleasure. Continued success, and I look forward to the next time you join us here in the Exxon. Thank you. Take care, buddy. Exonation, our guest this hour has been Tumu Jin Hu. He's the author of The Rage website, www.temujinhu.com. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the hour as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Visit our website, www.exxonradiotv.com, and archives are always free at exonepodcast.com. Happy Columbus Day and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Are you passionate about your professional future but not sure what's next? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business can take your education and career to the next level with its highly ranked working professional MBA. With flexibility to earn a degree entirely on campus, online, or a mix of both, an MBA from Ohio State is more accessible than ever. To get started, visit go.osu.edu slash WPMBA. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where principled leaders are created. 